What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where tag your man, tag your man, tag your man. Yo, 360, 360. Now, head to head, head to head, head to head. Yo, 360, 360. All right. So, no, we are not reviving UPN's 2004 dance TV classic, Dance 360. But we are, in fact, pumping up the 2021-2022 Los Angeles Lakers, who, behind number three, number six, and a new number zero, Russell Westbrook, are unofficially, or maybe officially, this year's team full circle. Russell Westbrook even said it in his presser today that things have come full circle for him. So that's how I'm dubbing this team with so many intriguing L.A. homecoming narratives from different players and intersecting Hall of Fame career arcs. Team 360 full circle. That's how I'm dubbing this year's 2021-2022 Lakers. I'm your host, John Fernandez. I am joined by my co-host, Alan Riley. Alan with LeBron switching to number six this year and Russell Westbrook coming in with number zero. Yeah, I ask you now, how fitting is it that our big three make up a 360 full circle? I'm not even sure if they talked about that, but it just fits. For sure. And, you know, Anthony Davis could have switched to 23, but he chose to stay with three. So that would have messed it all up. Right. So LeBron switching to sit like literally everything happened for a reason. If we recall, when we first got AD, LeBron wanted to do that switch right away. NBA wouldn't let him because the deadlines and all that stuff. So the fact that LeBron still switched to six, 80s like, nah, I'm sticking to three. And now we got Westbrook, who can claim number zero. I mean, it couldn't be any more perfect, right? Yeah, 23 doesn't sound as cool Not when you're quite. trying to too many shred up the dance floor. <laughs> it's a lot of rotations, though. I mean... <laughs> a lot of rotation. Hey, but I will say, the one thing that I'm glad the Lakers didn't go 3-6-0 on is um, signing Dennis Schroeder. <laughs> In fact, they went a complete 180, and now we have Russell Westbrook. As most of you probably know by now, Dennis Schroeder has signed with the Boston Celtics. Boo! Boo! Alan, how fitting is that that Schroeder's with the Celtics? 
That's fine, dude. Yeah, he can go there. <laughs> or Dennis Shredder, as people are now calling him, as he uh, <laughs> was killing it on that skateboard for sure. Um, but yeah, I think overall, Dennis Schroeder, cautionary tale. I would like to kind of puff my chest out a little bit for being right on this podcast the entire year about this guy. Look, nothing personal to him as a human being. I hope he's able to recoup that money some way, somehow. But something never really sat well with me and Dennis Schroeder, even outside of uh, his game not being particularly visually pleasing to my eye. But enough about Schroeder, Alan. We have Russell Westbrook. He had his introductory presser today. And over the last few days, we've also heard from all of the quote-unquote new old guys, including some new young guys as well in Nunn and Monk. Alan, I am... I mentioned it to you before we got on air, but those interviews have given me so much life. And I don't care how homery we sound. Yo, I'm drinking all that, like, Kool-Aid, for sure. I am so irrationally excited about this team. I think when we listen to any of the media and outside detractors who poke holes at this team and mention the age, the weird fit, the big personalities, you know, as it is with life, it's always so much easier to look at the worst case scenario of things, especially if you're not a fan of that particular team. But if you ask any one of these like non-Lakers critics to just think of the median outcome of this team. And then try to think of the best case scenario for this Lakers team and these motley crew of Hall of Famers. I can almost bet you that that concept strikes fear into their hearts. Because if we were able to make it work with JaVale McGee, Rajon Rondo, Avery Bradley, Dwight Howard, what more with Wayne Ellington, Kent Bazemore, Trevor Ariza, Dwight Howard again, and Carmelo Anthony? So I'm almost certain that they always point and pick at those holes because they're afraid to vocalize what the positive outcome could actually look like if these parts actually fit and coalesce. So from that end, I think this team has one of the highest ceilings of any Lakers team in recent history. I know that's hyperbole, and I know that sounds like extreme recency bias homerism. I don't care. Yes, injuries could derail everything, and maybe we're playing with fire on that end, but you take a swing like this when you can, and again, this is really just a one-year experiment. So just what are your general thoughts right now, you know, having a week to sort of soak in all of this? And we'll get into the pressers for sure. But just your thoughts on the team as a whole. Are you still as elated as you were when we last spoke? Honestly, I think I'm more elated now than last time. I think at the beginning, I was, yeah, like cautiously optimistic, but definitely leaning towards like elation. Um, but as you said, it's easier to look at worst case scenarios and all the things that could possibly go wrong. Um, cause those just tend to like stare too straight in the face, but it's not that difficult to flip the switch and think of all of the things that these guys do bring to the team. And like you said, how they could coalesce together. So yeah, I've been imagining, visualizing, envisioning all of the different things and that this team could do together, right? All the different lineup combinations, um, style of play, how this guy meshes with that guy, what happens in this scenario and that. And I, I just feel like there are so many opportunities for just freaking fun, up-tempo, yeah. push-it you know, type of basketball that we had during the championship season, right? Get a defensive stop, push it up the floor, and score. Like, we have so many guys who fit uh, that exact type of uh, style of play. So I think um, I'm feeling even more elated than I was a week ago. 
And Alan, we're going to talk about the introductory pressers and the new vibe that's kind of swept over Lakers Nation. But just give us a sneak preview. How are you feeling when you saw Russell Westbrook up there? And you're a huge UCLA guy, first of all, too. So I'm sure there was a lot of emotions with that. But the homecoming vibes included and him in front of the that stanchion or that that, you know, that poster that says Lakers and UCLA. What, what were you feeling? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I picked up on that immediately, you know, uh, to see the UCLA health sponsor right there, right next to the Laker logo. And I mean, just hearing Russ talk about wanting to go to the parades and like skip school. And I was like 12 years old when I want to do that. It's like, dude, he's like our age. Like he's a pure, yeah. pure for us. Um, so in terms of just like those early childhood, teenage, like Laker fandom experiences, I mean, we're right on board with the guy. Um, it just... It feels like such a good fit, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, there were a lot of like Kobe stories, of course, um, you know, being exchanged and things like that. And it, it, he himself said, like, as a kid, of course, you always grow up thinking you're going to play for the home team and wanting to. But as your career goes, it's like, ah, yeah, it's probably not going to happen. Like, what are the odds? And the fact that it actually has a, you know, like come full circle um, is, is crazy. And, you know, he has mentioned so many times, like. He's not supposed to be here, right? Like growing up where he grew up, knowing what his high school recruiting experience was. And like he didn't necessarily mention this, but like, you know, I know being the UCLA fanboy, he was not like highly recruited out of high school at all. Um, So the fact that he ended up at UCLA was a big part of those, you know, final four teams and all that kind of stuff. And now he's here and like even seeing him talk with like Jim Hill. You know what I mean? Like embrace him because, of course, Jim Hill covered him as a college player. Like there's more of that hometown kind of like feeling to it where Russ understands even those little things uh, that make L.A. special. So, uh, yeah. yeah, dude, it's just positivity all around. Yep. Chills and goosebumps is how I would describe it, especially when he talked about his relationship with Kobe and how that translates and transfers over to when he dons the purple and gold. It's crazy. Um, And we're obviously going to talk more about that. So for today's show, we are going to go over the new Lakers guys introductory pressers and the new culture and vibe that seems to have swept over the, the whole Lakers practice facility and all of Lakers nation. And it's been quite infectious. So there's going to be a lot of intangible personal narrative and vibes talk in today's show. But before we get to all that stuff, I thought we'd talk about some more tangible on-court things about this team. And also, before we get to that, congrats to Frank Vogel for getting a much-deserved three-year extension. Alan, we've come a long way from Tyron Lue and premature Laker birthday cakes, haven't we? (laughs) I I guess it wasn't a birthday cake, but premature Laker coach celebration cakes. Um, So congrats to Frank Vogel for the three-year extension. So in talking about some more tangible on-court things, Alan, by this point, I'm sure you've done your own personal research on the Lakers' new roster, i.e. you've probably watched some highlight videos of all of our new guys. So has anything tangible stood out to you about any of the new guys' games that you maybe realized for the first time after watching a few more highlights or even digging into more of their games or stats? Yeah, I think... um... Kendrick Nunn's game is something that really stands out to me. Uh, we obviously have a pretty small sample size because he's such a young guy, right? And he like lost a lot of playing time in Miami and stuff. So just getting that kind of refresher of what he brings to the court. Um, I mean, man, he can do a lot, right? He, he can pull up from three off the dribble. He can catch and shoot from three. Um, he does like getting into the mid-range a little bit. Um he has a pretty sick floater game and yeah. he 
you know, he's got some pretty nice like defensive highlights. I don't, I don't know like the exact type of profile he is as a defender. You know what I mean? Cause like you don't see mm-hmm. those videos on YouTube, but um, you know, he's had some like nice chase down blocks and you look at his body too and you can tell he's very strong. Um, yep. So again, just imagining what that fit is like him potentially like coming off the bench um, maybe is like, one of the first guys, right? Halfway through the first quarter, whatever it is. Um, and he can be that spark. He could be that offensive guy who can get his own bucket, but also doesn't necessarily need the ball in his hands in order to be effective, right? Um, so, yeah, that was one of those, like, fantasies that I was having. Like, oh, my gosh, imagine if he's on the court with this guy or that guy. Like, what's that going to look like? Yeah, and in some ways you can even add Kendrick Nunn to the three six zero full circleness of it all because we played him in the finals. So if you can't beat him, join him. Uh, he's now a Laker, Chi Town native, obviously very close with Taylor Horton Tucker as well. So there's that connection. Look, Kendrick Nunn shot forty eight percent from the field last season. Alan, I don't think that's getting enough pub. Forty eight percent for a six two guard, averaging almost fifteen points per game. In fact, last season. Chris Paul, Steph Curry, and Kyrie Irving are the only other players who did what Nunn did last season, shooting 48% from the field, 38% on threes, and 90% from the line. He's almost 50-40-90, I mean. That's crazy. Yeah. Also, ridiculous efficiency, true shooting percentage of 59.6%. So I have a comp for... Kendrick Nunn. You know me. I love love these comps. I have a Laker-related comp and then just a non-Laker-related one that maybe more people will be able to easily visualize. But I'll start off with the Laker one or former Laker one. I see shades of Isaiah Thomas minus the elite playmaking. And I know that's a bit of low-hanging fruit because they're both left-handed. But if you look at their floater games and the way they finesse finish at the rim, it's sort of similar. So shades of Isaiah Thomas minus the elite playmaking, though Kendrick Nunn can playmake and primary create a little bit. Isaiah Thomas, but in Eric Bledsoe's body. So crafty lefty like Isaiah, like I mentioned, especially in the mid-range with his floaters and soft finishes, but also semi-bulky and athletic like Bledsoe in certain scenarios and especially in space. Have you seen some of his tomahawk jams? Yeah. They're pretty dynamic and electric. So that's where the Bledsoe comes in. So any thoughts on that, the, those two comps or fusion? Yeah, I like it. I, I think definitely with the body type and just the strength um, of Eric Bledsoe, that's a really, really good one. And, uh, yeah, the craftiness that IT has as well. Um, and the fact that he's, he's a lot taller than IT. I mean, that's obviously a good thing. So I, I do like those. So here's my non-Laker one, and it doesn't involve a fusion, so it may be easier for people to digest. But I see Kendrick Nunn almost as a left-handed Ben Gordon, who was also 6'3", also a microwave scorer who was crafty, had a nice pull-up mid-range shot, had a nice pull-up three-point shot, could just get you buckets, right? He had some playmaking creation ability as well, but he was known more as a scorer. And I think that's what we're going to rely on on none for, for the most part, off the bench, right? So I, too, am very excited about uh, Kendrick Nunn. <laughs> it's like, who did we have coming off the bench <laughs> this past season who could fill that kind of role? Uh, current Celtic, Dennis Shredder. <laughs> yeah. He yeah. was a boy. She was a girl. Can we make it any more obvious? <laughs> he wanted him. She couldn't tell. No, she, I forgot what the lyrics are, but it's something like that. Uh <laughs> Hey, six skater highlights, Dennis Schroeder, but you know it's bad when people are talking more about your skating highlights than your actual basketball highlights. All right, uh, moving on. For me, one new tangible thing that stood out to me, 
outside of uh, Kendrick Nunn is Malik Monk. So first off, this dude averaged 12 points and two assists in just 21 minutes. That's like a per 36 of 20.7 points. And the two assists in that limited amount of time is pretty impressive too. Um, So I have some comps for Malik Monk. I'm sure you've seen some of his dunk highlights by now. My God, dude. My God. They are eye-poppingly Shannon Brown. I I was just going to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alan, I think we're going to have a a recreation, full circle recreation of that like Kobe, Powell, Odom meme. Yeah, where their face is just melting. (laughs) You know what I mean? So I cannot wait till Malik Monk pulls something out of his ass that's just out of this world. But anyways, I too have a comp for Malik Monk. I'll start off with the the former Lakers-centric one. Um, Malik Monk. I guess I kind of already gave it away. He's a little bit like Shannon Brown plus uh, Lindsey Hunter in Lindsey Hunter's body. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) And also because Lindsey Hunter was known for being more of the pure shooter, right? And Malik Monk definitely is of that ilk, shot 40% from three this past year. I know he was up and down his first two or three years before this, but if you look at the types of three-point shots he gets, one, he's bombing it from like 38 feet, Two, he's doing these behind-the-back into step-back threes that are kind of insane off the dribble. So that's where I see the Lindsey Hunter. And obviously, Shannon Brown, don't need to state it anymore. He, he flies out of the gym. Can he be the defender that Lindsey Hunter was? Probably not. We're just hoping at this point that he's a good team defender. Um, but that's how I sort of see him shaking out. Or maybe here's, here's maybe a better one. Shannon Brown plus Wayne Ellington, you know, a fusion of both, right? Wayne Ellington's not really known for his defense at this stage, and neither is Malik Monk, but uh, he kind of fuses both. Like three, uh, he's a three and D guard, Alan, a three and dunk essentially. Yeah. And coming out of college, that's why he was a lotto pick because he was a shorter Zach Levine, you know, straight three and D, three and dunk with some creation abilities. Um, now, my non-Laker-related comp for Malik Monk, simplest way to describe him, he's the shooting guard version of Gerald Green. Mm. Gerald Green in his prime did not live up to his, you know, number 18 pick status, but he did inevitably become a pretty good role player who was a 3 and D wing, more 3 than D, and again, more dunk than defense. But he was a guy in his prime who'd shoot volume threes, but also flash some of that brilliant athleticism that tantalized scouts uh, coming out of college. And so I think Monk can at the very least mimic Gerald Green's career trajectory. But you tack on top of that, he also has playmaking primary creation chops that Gerald Green didn't have. So in that sense, he has a higher ceiling. So your thoughts on Malik Monk and, and those comps? Those comps are really good. I mean, yeah, obviously the explosiveness, um, the athleticism, the speed, all of that is freaking exciting. Like, again, I'm just imagining Russell Westbrook throwing lobs to him, LeBron throwing lobs to him, all of that, you know. Um, Again, having a guy like that who could, like, come off the bench, bring that energy, you know, to the second unit, something that we were definitely lacking last year. Um, and he's a guy who can get his own shot as well. Um, so the fact that if in a pinch, like you said, you know, he has these like behind the back crossover dribbles, like fadeaways and all that. Yeah. Are we going to see a ton of that? No, not necessarily. But just in terms of like sheer shot creation, um, that's always a good thing to fall back on. And just in terms of like bringing energy in general, I mean, these dunks are electrifying, right? This yes. stuff is, I mean, it's, he's never done the dunk contest, right? 
He'd be a great no, freaking. Yeah, he would, yeah, be, he would be incredible candidate. Very strong. Um, it's as exciting as like it's, Westbrook. It's close, dude, to like him <laughs> and like Zach Levine. You know, like yeah. it, it, there's so much ease with which he dunks. You know, um, so. Yeah, dude, I can't freaking wait. Um, it'll be interesting. Again, I don't have a whole lot to say about him, like, defensively. Um, I know you mentioned, like, is he going to be the type of defender that Lindsey Hunter, you know, was and that sort of thing. Again, with these types of athletes, the potential, the sky's the limit and all True. of that, right? So, Phil Handy, <laughs> work your magic, dude. Like, God. it's going to be really exciting to see the type of player development. And he's obviously going to be held to an incredibly high standard with – you know, the pedigree that is on this team. So, I mean, like, you you can't be messing around, right? Like, this isn't, like, the super fun, cute Charlotte Hornets anymore. So, like, we saw Kuz become an incredible defender, right, over the last couple Mm -hmm. years, especially this past year. So, we'll see what – I'm excited for, like, the prospect of that too. Yeah, and I – the battle between the young guns, THT, Monk, and Nunn, you know, friendly competitive battle is going to be so fascinating to watch, and I'm very excited to see – how it unfolds and how Phil Handy works with each and every one of these guys and how much they're able to soak up from all of the vets because this is the perfect type of team to just download all this info into your own game and your career trajectory. So it's going to be freaking fun. Again, Malik Monk is that, you know, send shivers down your spine in a good way sort of player just absolutely pops off the page. All right, with that said, we're going to take it to break. When we return, we are going to talk about the new vibes surrounding this Lakers team, which just honestly has been super refreshing. So we'll take it to break. And when we return, yeah, we will talk about those intro pressers. Attention listeners across the galaxy, all the way from Australia to Houston, do we have a pube problem? If so, our friends at Manscaped have cleared you for takeoff with their fourth generation and brand new Lawnmower 4.0. Kick your pubes to the next planet with the Performance Package 4.0. The orbits in your pants will feel like you're in zero gravity when you use the best tools for the job from the leaders in male grooming. So join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. So, do you guys remember that one time I told you about that one white stray hair I had down there that almost made me pull a hip muscle after I pulled it? No? Well, there you go, and also, that's the last time you'll ever hear about any such hairy situation from me again, because ever since I started using Manscaped, the white stray hair snipping process for me has been much smoother than ever. So, are you ready for an out-of-world experience, fellas? Look no further than the Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped that has just taken off in not only the USA, but Canada, the UK, across Europe, Australia, South Africa, and Singapore. Inside this package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, Crop Preserver ball deodorant, Crop Reviver toner, Performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold your whole solar system. Abort Harry Balls and Buzz Lightyear that Woody with Manscaped. Man, did I write this? I don't know. Anyways, get 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. For a clean trinity and beyond, your space balls will thank you. All right, so we're back. 
Alan, before we get to talking about the new vibes and culture surrounding the Lakers, um, the Lakers do still have three open roster spots. Now, they did just sign Mac McClung and uh, Chandi Brown to Exhibit 10 contracts, but that's more for training camp. And while it's possible that they may convert Austin Reeves' contract from a two-way to a real to a real contract, um, nothing's been set in stone yet. So technically, they have three open roster spots. Let's just reserve one for Jared Dudley. So two roster spots. In your, opin- in your opinion, who do you think should get that last roster spot or two? I'll name off some names, and then you can give me some of your options or if you have a template in mind. So Wesley Matthews is out there. Now, everybody has already pointed out that Kent Bazemore has his number, so we're not sure if that door is closed. Former Laker Wesley Matthews is out there. Avery Bradley is out there, former Laker as well. So some other perimeter defenders we could be looking at is uh, Frank Nilakina, formerly of the Knicks. This dude does have a 7'1 wingspan, even though he's just a guard, so that's intriguing. Um, then there's Dante Exum. You remember Australian Kobe. Uh, but <laughs> having said all that, Exum did play very well for the Australian national team and looks healthy this year. And then there's a uh, former Laker Isaac Bonga. So obviously very long and lanky. In terms of the shooter ca- shooters category, there's V. Mikhailu, also a former Laker. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily call him a defender, but he does give you like size at that position, 6'7", six, 6'8", six, and obviously is a good shooter. Now, with regards to... Oh, also there's J.J. Redick in that shooters category. Nilakina, Exum, Bongus, V, Redick for the smaller guards section. When it comes to wings, it's kind of a paltry, barren cupboard right now. We've got James Ennis, 31 years old, 6'6", 6'11", wingspan. Career 36% three-point shooter on low volume, though he did hit 43% from three last year, knocking down 1.1 a game for Orlando. Career 79% free throw shooter. He's probably maybe the safest option, but he is 31 years old and yada yada. The more exciting option is Stanley Johnson, 25 years old, 6'5", 7-foot wingspan, lotto pick. Played 61 games with the Raptors this year, averaging 4.4 points on pretty bad percentages in 16 minutes. But he did have a 24.7 assist game and a 35.10 rebound 5 assist game with six threes in two of his last four games to close the season, but that was in supreme garbage time. So take that for what it's worth. Um, and then some some bottom barrel guys that we've talked about before, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, <laughs> Shimmy Shaker, 26 years old, played a few games with Portland last year, but again, he does have a seven-foot-two wingspan. And then your favorite, MKG Gilchrist, 27 years old, six-foot-seven, seven-foot wingspan, So those are the wings. And then lastly, I'll bring up bigs because I do think that that's one area the Lakers may want to shore up because Marc Gasol's kind of looking like a Jared Dudley at the center position and you don't want to solely rely on Dwight Howard, right, to soak up all of your center minutes, even though we know Anthony Davis is going to play more center. So with regards to bigs, there's Isaiah Hardenstein, who's 23 years old. Seven feet, seven foot two wingspan, played for the Cavaliers last year, flashed some versatility, was the former 2019 G League MVP. Then we've got some familiar names. Noah Vonley, also a former lotto pick, 25 years old, seven foot four wingspan. And Marquise Chris, 24, 24 years old, six foot nine, seven foot one wingspan. Those are kind of tantalizing. Um, but yeah, those are the options for those last two roster spots. Do you have any thoughts on how, how to fill those those out? 
Yeah, I mean, I echo what you said about getting another big, another center, because, um, yeah, I mean, Marcus All, in terms of the types of minutes he's going to get, just age and all that kind of stuff, you can't bank on him um, health-wise and just wear and tear, things like that. Um, and, you know, Dwight has obviously been, like, healthy and, and um, has shown a lot of consistency and reliability over the last few seasons, um, but he was tag teaming with JaVale like pretty heavily right it was literally like in wrestling tag team you're in now you do the exact same thing that I was doing and it worked out so well so um, I'm kind of shifting my attention there in terms of those names uh, like yeah you probably know a lot more about Hartenstein than I do so I'm not going to speak to anything with that um, you can hit on that in a sec yeah also I should add Paul Millsap's name because I didn't mention him but he's part of that you know bigs maybe stretch four stretch five guy that you could include so right right yeah marquis chris is kind of kind of tantalizing as well i know that in terms of like culture fit attitude those types of intangibles there may be something uh to be said about that and would he work out culture wise but i mean the guys bounced around quite a bit um he was on a golden state team that I mean, even though obviously they've been decimated by injuries, the Warriors do have a certain type of culture, you know, and he was getting minutes there. Um, and like you said, like he's, he's skilled for sure as a big man, um, kind of a bit of a tweener, right? He's not like a center center, but he could definitely slot in there. Uh, so maybe I'd be looking at that like cautiously um, yeah. in terms of guards. I mean, we do have a lot of guards, <laughs> obviously, on this team right now, but um between like avery bradley and wes matthews i'd probably lean towards avery bradley honestly um and i'm just thinking about what he did for us a couple years ago and how effective he was and how much he surprised us with the things that he could do because we just think he's like a lockup you know defender not much else but like i mean he could really create his own shot and he had that mid-range game as well um, again, we have quite a bit of depth there, so I don't know how much need there is for yeah. that guy. I think they'll so, probably, yeah. at least from, from my end, I think wings is probably where they want to turn their sights to, to shore up their perimeter defense, to get more of that prototypical, at least 6'6 six, six height. You know what I mean? Because Kuzma went out 6'9", and the only way we replaced him is with Ariza, who I don't know if you want to count on him for 82 games at his age. You know, I, yeah. I know he still showed stuff with Miami, so... I guess out of the wings. Yeah. And is Stanley Johnson, RHJ, MKG. So one name that I forgot to bring up is Harry Giles. Harry Giles, Harry Giles. Um, He's not necessarily a wing. I'm like, I don't know which one it is, actually. Right. (laughs) So he's not necessarily a wing. He is 6'10 with a 7'3 wingspan, but could Vogel convert him into more of a wing stopper? Maybe. You know, so maybe there's an option, too. (laughs) Wing stopper. Is is wing stop one of our new sponsors? (laughs) They should be. Yeah. Um, So out of the wing crop, who would you prefer? God, I mean, I'd have to do a real deep dive because there's a part of me. It's like, God, I feel like they're all kind of the same you know Mm -hmm. um i know i'm not crazy about stanley johnson (laughs) i'm not crazy about shimmy man um like my stupid biased reason is just gilchrist because tommy and i were very high on him when he was in college like we used to love this guy (laughs) and he's got like the crazy jacked up shot i don't know if he's like i'm pretty sure he's like fixed it marginally by now um but i feel like he has and again this is like super hot takey whatever like i don't i don't know a ton but um 
I, I think he has more upside than the other guys, the aforementioned. Yeah. Yeah, I think for him, you're not really looking for his jump shot either no. when you play him. It's like send out the hounds defensively to to lock down one guy for two or three possessions, right? The, the thing with Gilchrist, though, is he hasn't played in the NBA since the bubble, I feel like, for a very short time with the Mavericks. But he has shown that he can still play defense, and he would fit that mold of a super athletic, physical freak, right? The likes of Russell Westbrook. Dwight Howard, LeBron James, Malik Monk. So that's tantalizing. I think for me, so I'm going to give my final predictions on who the last two roster spots are. My heart says gets V back just for shooting, and he's a former Laker. I'm down, super down. And also, I just, I've been pumping this guy for a long time, but I think Isaiah Hardenstein has a lot of really good potential because he could be a Marcus Gasol disciple just because of his versatile skill set. And I've mentioned it before, but he could be our Zubat sort of redemption story because we're sad that we let Zubats go for nothing. Isaiah Hardenstein has those sort of skills, and he is a big man. He is seven feet with a seven-foot-two wingspan. He looks kind of loafing and slow when you see him, but he does have very good instincts and passing ability, can stretch it out a little bit. But most of all, he has the size. So my heart says V and Hardenstein or slash Harry Giles, just because I wouldn't mind going for the upside play once again. The same reasons why you like MKG. I would like to take that swing on Harry Giles, who's just an athletic freak. Six foot ten, seven foot three wingspan. And then my gut prediction, though, is more boring, is maybe we just sign James Ennis and Paul Millsap. You know, like just these younger and <laughs> not not these sorry absolute opposite of younger (laughs) these older veterans who you kind of just know what they bring you know what i'm saying um so we'll see what the lakers do but they there are some options out there we'll see if they go you know more of the young youth play once again like the malik monk kendrick nunn signings or if they just go with the tried and true let's just get vets in who can fill a role and won't complain right so we shall see All right, with that said, to close the show, Alan, let's talk about, man, the vibes we've been feeling from all of these guys' intro pressers because, I mean, it's been so infectious, one after another, just hearing all these guys, I don't want to say wax poetic. I don't know if they all had, like, a focus group together where they planned this, but, I mean, all the talk about sacrifice, not thinking about your role, but making sure that your your biggest priority is being a part of this larger team. And whatever role is given to you, whatever role you end up playing, regardless of whether or not it detracts from your initial vision of what you had in mind, as long as it leads to winning a championship, that should be the most important thing. To hear that from Trevor Ariza, Kent Bazemore, Carmelo Anthony, and then even the young guys like Kendrick Nunn and, and Malik Monk, has been like super encouraging. So what are your thoughts on just, it seemed like an aligned vision from all of these Lakers players. And again, it's always different when you say it before any basketball has been played on the court, obviously, and you're talking to the media. You want to be endearing to the fans, et cetera, et cetera. I get that. But even just contrasting that to what we saw last year when Trez, Schroeder were introduced, even Marcus Gasol, honestly, it just seems so different. And again, I know there's some recency bias talking, but if you look back to Trez Schroeder, Wes Math, and Marcus Gasol's press conferences, 
The only guy who really sounded like he understood what it meant to sacrifice was Wes Matthews. And I say Marc Gasol just because Marc Gasol entered this Lakers team. He obviously has gone through the ups and downs of an entire NBA career and understands what it means to don the purple and gold through his brother, Pau Gasol, too. But he had already won a championship by the time he came to us, you know, so the, the, he was kind of lacking that desperation. If anything, it's more like I don't want to call Marcus Gasol entitled, but it's more like you need me more than I need you sort of deal with Marcus Gasol. But the two guys I want to focus more of the attention on in terms of a contrast is obviously Trez and Schroeder, who we all know with Dennis Schroeder, the dude wanted to be seen as a starter. He demanded being a starter in his introductory press conference. He said, nearly verbatim, I've already done that bench stuff in OKC. You know, it's hearing that and and contrasting it with what these guys are saying the, the, these last few days has been, it's been night and day, dude. Um, and then Trez, you know, no knock on Trez. He seemed like he had a chip on his shoulder from his time with the Clippers. And while that's great, it seemed more like a personal vendetta that he was trying to channel and have the Lakers team fit into his box of, I'm going to get back at these fools. You know what I mean? And again, I don't want to knock these young guys like Dennis Schroeder and Montrez for wanting higher ambitions for themselves in their career, obviously. But you can just tell that there's a palpable difference when a championship is everything to a person versus it being like an awesome side benefit to you continuing to pump up your own career. And from guys like Trevor Reza, Carmelo Anthony, Dwight Howard, Kent Bazemore, Wayne Ellington, you could hear it in their voices. A championship means everything to them. And you can include Russell Westbrook today as well. When you don't have that ring yet and it's the only thing you're chasing versus it being like, again, a nice side benefit as a young guy who is still trying to make his name in the league. And again, no knocks on guys like that. It just changes everything. And I think that's that's the difference I'm feeling. And it's so refreshing to hear. So what are your thoughts? It's just more maturity, honestly, and like being seasoned, right? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Schroeder, Trez, like you said, like they had stuff to prove. And that's fine. Like, play with that chip on your shoulder. Um, say whatever you need to say to get yourself jacked up and all that kind of thing. Have that confidence. But, yeah, and, you know, we don't want to talk too much about last year or whatever. And I, I think, like, when Schroeder said his thing, like, the way you easily defend it is, well, everyone should want to be a starter. And, you know, like, that's fine, too. But <laughs> there was there was definitely something about it. There's, like, a type of arrogance that... Um, didn't seem very selfless, you know, like entitlement. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think entitlement is definitely the best word to use, but yeah. And hearing all of these guys now, like they are very mature, obviously they've been in the league forever. Like they've got families, they've got kids who are like older kids. You know what I mean? Trevor Reza. I think one of the best questions and answers I heard was talking about, you know, when the Lakers went back to back, after Trevor Reza left and we got Ron Artest. Like, did you feel like you kind of left something on the table? Like, were you caught up in your feelings when you didn't have the chance to repeat with the Lakers? And he was like, no, not at all. And, like, you can tell he's being, like, very genuine and sincere. He's like, I was very happy for that entire team. I was happy for Ron Artest to get his ring because all the stuff he went through. He's like, everything really worked out the way it was supposed to. And there was – I wasn't like feeling any type of way after that. 
And I mean, that's the type, like most people, like, I feel like I would be like, damn, like that should have been me on that team. You know, that's like human nature, but, um, just that authenticity is huge. And in terms of like building culture, that's enormous. Um, to hear Carmelo talk about, you know, all of the transformations that he's gone through and the things that he's learned about himself, um, and how he's had to, I mean, up until, Last year, he was like, that was the first time he actually knew he had to come off the bench was last season. And before that, it was always as a starter. And he's like reckoned and like wrestled with all those different things. So, um, man, it's it's just so pure, you know? Yeah. Who does that remind you of in terms of having to fall out of the league, whether justified or not, gaining some perspective from that time off and rejiggering your your mind about, you know, where you, you're you at in your career and how you can best help a team. Who does that remind you of? Dwight. Yeah, 2019-20 Dwight Howard. He was almost out of the league. If not out of he, – he was almost out of the league. So he was averaging like 1.2 teams per season at that point. So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Carmelo Anthony, he was out out of the league with yep. Hoodie Mello. And just hearing him now, one th- for one thing – I didn't realize, because obviously I haven't been following Carmelo Anthony as closely as I would if he was on this team. I didn't realize how charismatic, likable, and endearing this dude is. Yes, that stood out to me too. But now you like wrap in the maturity and perspective he's gained in terms of understanding now, like I'm here to do whatever is needed of me. And then his his talking about knowing what it means to don the purple and gold was great. And then referencing his brother, the late great Kobe Bryant, was just obviously very touching, but... He's become probably one of my favorite new Lakers, and I never thought I would say that because Carmelo Anthony, I was like, yo, don't bring this guy in. Too much too much prima donna-ness. And, you know, one of the main reasons why I didn't want to bring Carmelo Anthony in was I thought it would stunt the development of Kyle Kuzma. Well, guess what? There's no more Kyle Kuzma. So bring Carmelo in, especially with this new perspective. Uh, the other thing, too, that, you know, you mentioned Trevor Ariza. He said this quote where he was like, Almost the vibe was promise roles don't matter and shouldn't matter on this team. When you have a common goal to win, all that matters is winning together. Whatever role you play in that quest, you should feel privileged. I was like, oh, my gosh. He literally said roles don't matter on this team. Yeah. I was like, wow, when these guys are setting the tone like that. And then talk about Dwight Howard. Everything Dwight Howard was, I was just eating that shit up. I got chills, dude. (laughs) Like just thinking about that 17-minute presser. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. He's like, I came back because I wanted to win. Look at all the guys on this team. Even though the poetic he was waxing about all the other guys, he's like, look at Carmelo Anthony. Look at Russell Westbrook. They've won everything one could win in the NBA. MVPs, scoring championships, Olympic gold medals. The only thing they haven't won is a ring. That's exactly how I felt when I came to the Lakers in 2019-20. And I think that same hunger is what they're going to have as well, who've been around the block, gotten all these accolades, but they're missing that one thing. And I know Russell Westbrook in today's presser said he doesn't have anything to prove to anybody. And I I 100% agree with him, but that's from like a life perspective and context. He absolutely does not have to prove anything to anybody. But if you ask him, what about from a purely basketball perspective, I bet you he would say, I want to win a ring. Of course. So, yeah, any final thoughts on any guys? Um, Loved Wayne Ellington's drip, (laughs) the purple jacket. Dude, I want that hat. <laughs> it was awesome. Um, Kent Bazemore, I feel like he's he's grown up a lot. You know what I mean? Like, because when we had him, he was young, and uh, like he was he was exciting and all that, but kind of like 
drive you crazy a little bit too with like his erratic play but you know I feel like he has really matured a lot over these years and it's it's crazy just think about how many years it's been since like what 2014 since we had him like it's been seven years that's a long time um so yeah dude um that's that's pretty much all I got I'm glad that you mentioned Dwight Dwight just I had a it's it's infectious right like my smile was matching his smile the entire time so uh thank goodness like he ended up coming coming back here he's only the third player in nba history devin harris is the only one to be with a team like three same team three different stints um can you imagine if dwight wins another chip dude like two chips in three years with us and the way it started and all that like Hell of a story. So that's why I go back to this theme of team full circle. Three, six, oh. I mean, <laughs> Dwight Howard, third go around with the Lakers. He is the, both the curse bearer and curse breaker. He brought the curse with the now this is going to be fun era. He broke the curse when he returned and took on that non-guaranteed contract with us. Then the curse returned when he, him and his agent fumbled negotiations last season and we had that whole deleted tweet fiasco. But now... He's back to redeem and reclaim that lost year that felt like a gap year for everybody. And again, in a lot of ways, Dwight Howard is the poster child for a grizzled, stubborn Hall of Fame vet who finally puts his money where his mouth is and truly sacrifices his game for the betterment of the team. And so don't blame us if we look at Carmelo Anthony and are like, well, we saw Dwight do it. Why can't Carmelo do it? You know? Yeah. And then... Westbrook's Los Angeles legacy goes without stating. The dude grew up in South LA, played in losing or high, I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but in Lawndale, played at UCLA. You saw him today just glowing like he was a fan, like giddy, absolutely giddy to hold up that number zero Westbrook jersey and verbatim say, this is like a full circle moment for me. Just amazing. Trevor Ariza's LA legacy played at Westchester High, faced off against Jordan Farmar at Taft, (laughs) went to UCLA like Farmar, Played for the Lakers. The Lakers were the first team that gave him a shot, Alan, that really, you know, oh, yeah. he had some potential, but we traded for him and then we started him and then we went on that run. He unfortunately got injured the first year, but then redeemed things in 2009 and we won the title with him, you know? So for him to come back, he hasn't won a title since. He's actually the last Laker player and I think NBA player to play with Kobe on those title teams. So to come back now and potentially win another championship, full circle. You know, even if we trickle it down to, you know, Wayne Ellington and Kent Bazemore played on the Lakers, but never in a competitive fashion. Heck yeah, and, for sure. You know, Wayne Ellington's connection, a lot of these guys have connections with Kobe Bryant, but even Wayne Ellington, you know, when his dad was murdered, he mentioned how Kobe meant so much to him and reached out to him and helped him through that time. And Wayne Ellington's from Philly, where Kobe grew up, you know, so he worshiped Kobe. And then right on down to Marc Gasol. I think Marc Gasol wants to redeem his year from last year. Uh, especially given his brother Pau and Pau's relationship with Kobe and the organization. I'm sure even Mark would want a full circle, you know, let's make things right. No more Andre Drummond stuff. And Andre Drummond, too, is another guy who you can add on to like the Trez, maybe not Trez, but the Schroeder entitlement story, right? That's that's why it's so refreshing to hear all these guys with the same tune say and same harmony say, sacrifice doesn't matter about role. We're here to do this and we're here to have fun in the process of this journey and learn more about each other. That's the last thing I'll say. One thing that was really cool to hear was a bunch of different veterans say, I want to learn this. I have this to learn. I want to learn this from this guy. You know what I mean? Like how refreshing is that to hear? Yeah, definitely. 
Couldn't have said Two, it better. Three, six, oh, oh. head to head. head to <laughs> <laughs> if you don't know what I'm talking about, look up UPN Dance 360 on YouTube. All right. With that said, we'll cut it Watch here. Watch some Moesha reruns. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We'll cut it here and continue just absolutely getting lit over this uh, amazing team. So, Alan, I'll catch you later. All right, dude. Later. Peace. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.